The following program has been paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church. From the heart of the Pacific, in Honolulu, Hawaii. Church presents the Kingdom of God Crusade. Join us now for another hour of worship with Pastor Han, the church choir, and the band. We hope and pray that you'll find this next hour a blessing. Good day, everyone. I'm Head Pastor Blihan Jr., and I would like to thank you for joining us today. We welcome you to the Kingdom of God Crusade telecast, being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in Hawaii from 8 to 9 a.m., but also in parts of California from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV, Channel 13, San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSE, Channel 13 in Palm Springs. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBTV Channel 8 and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU TV Channel 28 in Eureka. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR TV Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on Charter Cable Channel 1519 in Los Angeles. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KQTA TV Channel 15.3 and Comcast Channel 238 in San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY, Channel 9 in El Central, California, and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR, Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO, Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW, Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, parts of Nevada and Wyoming. And from 6 to 7 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like more information on our church and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church, located at 1043 Middle Street, is the headquarters of the gospel of the Kingdom of God for the whole world, with a sign on the roof of the temple, Jesus Coming Soon, a landmark in Kali for 98 years, and a prayer tower, the first of its kind in Hawaii, dedicated exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and Ada B. Lockbaum on August 4, 1923, and passed on to our late chief pastor, William M. Hansen, in 1959, who continues the gospel to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will draw you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be a real blessing to you, our television audience, saints wherever you are, and the shut-ins, that is those of you in the hospitals and convalescent and homes. And should you need prayer or someone to pray over you, please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. The most challenging test for the born-again believer is to live and love like Christ. To be able to overcome immense tribulations and still walk and walk and live in peace. The church choir will sing the number entitled, Hallelujah Anyhow. The choir will be accompanied by Edith Matsuki on the piano and Rose Pahaku Carter on the organ. 
Two. 
Awesome presentation, choir. Thank you. Walking with the Lord and meditating on His words can give strength and peace to one's soul, pressing forward to reach the prize set before us by Jesus, which is eternal life with Him. Under my direction, the church band awaits to play for you in an inspirational song entitled, Take Time to Be Holy, featuring a flute solo by Sally Spotcalf.
One facet of the gospel demands one's ability to not just work with others, but requires the believer to fully and single-handedly focus one's energy on the duty of praying. When you pray, the power of faith flows through and attaches your heart to the hearts of the souls, your friends, and your family. When you beseech the Lord for mercy, guidance, or healing, you are placing complete trust in our one true God, Jesus Christ, knowing that no matter the answer to your prayer, it is your answer from Jesus. So it's pastor, Seth Makanasano Sr. will sing this beautiful song entitled, When You Pray. Accompanying him will be your shul on the piano, trusty associate pastor, both senior, Mason Sano Sr. on the guitars, associate pastor Marvin Abing on the bass, and Iris Locke on the drums. Beautiful rendition, Seth. Thank you. The church choir will sing their second and final number for today entitled Grace Upon Grace. I invite you to sing along with the choirs. The words appear on your screen.
No man in this entire world is more widely known than Jesus. His name was spoken from before his birth to his death and will continue to the end of time. The full redemptive name for water baptism is the Lord Jesus Christ. Linear as trusty associate pastor Evans Pro Senior plays to the Lord and for you, TV viewers, on his guitar, the song titled, There Is Something About That Name. Services for the Lord takes teamwork and dedication. Working together seals the spiritual love, not just for our brothers and sisters in Christ, but it also strengthens our love, faith, and hope in Jesus. Closing the musical portion of the program, the vocal no group known as the Jubilees and directed by Emilia Hahn are ready to sing to the Lord the number entitled, He'll Deliver Me. They will be accompanied by Christy Hahn on the piano. Today's number is dedicated to Mercy Oliveira of our Hilo Branch Church. May the good Lord continue to bless you, mercy, pressed on and overflowing in this life and that to come. Have a wonderful Sunday.
Shalom and good morning. I'm Associate Pastor Melvin Honda, and I would like to repeat our television time stations and locations in the continental United States for our viewing audience, especially if any of you plan to visit or reside in California. These telecasts can now be viewed every Sunday morning from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XD TV channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBTV channel 8 and Comcast channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU TV channel 28 in Eureka, from 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR TV channel 11 in Monterey, from 6 to 7 a.m. on Charter Cable channel 1519 in Los Angeles, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KQTA TV channel 15.3 and Comcast channel 238 in San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY channel 9 in El Centro, California, and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZZ0 channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming and from 6 to 7 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like to know more about our gospel work and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, please visit our website on JesusComingSoon.org. And now concerning our schedule of gospel services here in our home state, Hawaii, services are held at the temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. On Sunday, Gospel services start at 10 a.m. and divine healing services at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begin at 9 a.m. and prayer service are held daily in the prayer tower at 2 p.m. except on Fridays at 10 a.m. The same schedule is observed by neighbor island branch churches as services are conducted by Pastor Reginald V. Castanera Sr. in Kanakakai, Molokai, by Pastor Walter I. Tin Law in Hilo, Hawaii, by Pastor Leonard K. Y. Asano Sr. in Koloa, Kauai, by Pastor Hannibal Espera in Balogo, Pikawayan, and by Pastor Vesper Espera in President Rojas, Cotabato, Mindanao, Philippines. At our Maui Branch Church in Lahaina, Maui, services are held every second Sunday of the month. You are welcome to attend these services regardless of church affiliations. There are no collections. However, if you desire to voluntarily contribute to support these telecasts and the Lord's work, you may do so by sending your donations to the address designated at the conclusion of the telecast. And now I'd like to return our program back to head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., who will bring forth his spirit-directed and spirit-inspired sermon. Pastor Billy? Thank you, Melvin. The signs of the times are upon us because the hearts of men are turned towards ungodliness. Today, there is an unbelievable amount of turmoil all over the world, brought on by man's hate, greed, and desire for supreme power. Therefore, it is more important than ever to seek and find Jesus. I pray that my sermon entitled, Save the Best Sermon, will give you the opportunity to consider what Jesus has to offer you, if you will but hear His voice. I caution you, don't reject the Word of God, and above all, don't reject the Lord. Hopefully, in due time, others will be able to see Jesus in you, rather than merely you in you. Always bear in mind, many are called, but few are chosen. If you want to spend eternity in paradise with the Lord, then you want to be among the chosen. 
But let's begin with the sermon. The ministry of Jesus spanned approximately three years. The cities of Capernaum and Tiberias that lined the Sea of Galilee can recall very vividly the profound truths of his words, his commanding presence and the captivating effect his sermons had upon all who listened with a believing heart. Eventually, Jesus took his ministry northward to Jerusalem, and as the numbers of followers dwindled because of unbelief, more time was spent with a smaller company of committed disciples. It was in the last year of his ministry that he time he spent preparing them for his physical absence was crucial. Today, our television ministry serves as a special purpose as well. It is to prepare all believers for the unpreventable return of Jesus. Yes, the redemption of his saints is at hand, and we must be ready. Should someone ask you to define the righteousness of God, the answer is very simple. The righteousness of God is Jesus Christ. The life he lived, the words which he spoke, and that touched every heart served as the prime example for all men to follow. At the young age of 12, he confounded and astonished scholarly men in the temple. His response to his mother and father upon explaining his absence when they returned to Jerusalem looking for him was, How is it that he sought me? We see not that I must be about my father's business. Can we confidently say that we are about our father's business? Therefore, it is essential that individuals who occupy positions of trust should be conscientious of their behavior in public and in private, and it begins with the religious leaders. The preacher's motto is, practice what I preach, and the sermon is for the preacher first. For all the preachers in the world today, I encourage you to welcome the challenge of living according to the Word of God. The Word of God has never changed. And what was required of the apostles is required of all who preach the Word of God. Yes, I will concur that society has changed in its views regarding Jesus, but we are reminded Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Many Christian leaders lack the boldness and the intestinal fortitude to stand and be counted for the name and the blood of Jesus. Believers worldwide should embrace the promises of God without reservations and live as though they knew Jesus were returning tomorrow. As believers, we must understand that any teaching or lifestyle that is contrary to God's Word is not of the Lord. God is the originator of the Gospel, and Jesus is the focal point of salvation. Read in Galatians 1, 10-12, For do I not persuade men, or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the Gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For the true servant of God, there is no other gospel. There is no other way. In God's eyes, there is no substitute for righteousness, which makes the necessity of water baptism all the more important. To be saved through grace is a revelation from God, and the church today is led by God himself through the power of the Holy Ghost. Has the power of God diminished? And is it now rendered powerless to the present-day lifestyles and achievements of mankind? Of course not. Jesus is alive and He lives within us. All believers should be anticipating the greatest event the world will ever witness. That is, the glorious return of Jesus Christ. His first appearance in the second advent will be to gather the saved from this lost and dying world. The calling of God's people home on that resurrection morn will unite the dead in Christ with all the living who await His return. 
Yes, the scriptures tells us when the call is made, come up hither, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The exhilaration the rapture produces should be evident in the lives of every true born-again believer. The question is, are we ready for His return? And are we living the kind of life approved by God? Are what puzzles and divides the Christian realm? It would be wrong for me to say, you are saved by faith alone, or being a prudent man with apparent Christian principles is sufficient for salvation. It would be easy for me to evade the straight and narrow path by saying all denominations preach the same doctrine, but in reality, we know it is not true. I implore you to allow the Holy Ghost to enlighten you to the truth about salvation. I am sure you are familiar with the Pharisee Saul of Tarsus, who was on the vengeful path of persecuting the church. However, he was enlightened by God in a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus while traveling to Damascus. Once enlightened, Paul the Apostle sought to spread the gospel and made it his sole purpose in life to preserve and perpetuate it. The point being made is that we read the same Bible and seek after the promise of eternal life, but are we likened unto Saul or likened to Paul? Paul agreed as to the necessity of water baptism, emphasizing that it be done in the name of Jesus. On the other hand, Saul was staunch and rigid in the religion of his forefathers. Let me remind you, dear viewers, that the names found in the Lamb's Book of Life are of those who have taken on the name of Jesus in water baptism, just as Paul did. Jesus instructed Nicodemus, another Pharisee, as recorded in John 3, 5, Jesus answered, Very, very, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. What we preach today, Paul preached then. The revelation given to Peter speaks of being born again, as you read in Acts 2, 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Paul, the apostle, through his love for righteousness, diverted all his efforts into doing what Jesus wanted him to do, which was repent, believe, be baptized of water and of the Spirit, and thus be saved through the name of Jesus. The significance of Paul's turnabout to support the preaching of Jesus Christ occurred quite suddenly and unexpectedly that those who believed in Jesus were at first very cautious and skeptical about Paul's conversion. Because Saul's arrogance, unchallenged authority, mastery of the law, and mannerism disallowed anything but the Jewish religion. His sudden about face, confession of his well-meaning ignorance, reads as follows in Acts 26, 9. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Totally immersed in unbelief, that is, with his own light, his unyielding and implacable spirit led him to vigorously pursue the followers of Jesus into Damascus. While on this pursuit, he and his companions were surrounded and struck down by an overbearing light. In this light, God's voice spoke. The voice said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. The experience was overwhelming, and it was as if he was in the presence of God, both bodily and spiritually. The encounter made him aware of his misguided efforts, such that he instantly repented and said, Lord, what would thou have me to do? Yes, Paul's experience brought about repentance, and the purpose of the word is fulfilled when a soul repents and is baptized. In his new life in Christ, a change in Paul was apparent. As he boldly stood defending his enlightened faith, 
regarding the promise ensued by their forefathers. Paul writes in Acts 26, 6-7, And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. I ask you to weigh carefully the words of Paul, the apostle with your present spiritual status and views. And if differences exist, may a sense of utmost urgency in obeying the gospel of good news be absolutely paramount. In addition, please take note of Paul's tactful approach in persuading his persecutors to Christ as he employed the knowledge of his accusers to incriminate themselves by turning their assault into self-conviction, emphasizing the hope of their forefathers which Paul desired for himself and all of Israel. The preaching of Jesus Christ made the promise which they both longed for achievable. Along those lines, Peter focused on the importance of the name of Jesus as you read in Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Paul gave up his traditional belief for the gospel of Christ. He confessed in Romans 1.17, For therein is the righteousness of God, revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Won't you do the same to assure your salvation today? Jesus instructed the disciples thusly in Matthew 6.34, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. He wanted the disciples to consider the circumstances they faced and weigh them against the value of their souls. Jesus wanted them to realize the things that were tangible and the things that were not. He opened their awareness to compare the immeasurable value of eternal life with the temporal things and see how worthless such things were. Jesus relayed the atmosphere then, which was how the power to influence unbelievers into righteousness can be lost when believers lose sight of the hope of their calling and participate in willful sin. Paul admonished his one-time peers. Let us read in Romans 2, 17, 21, and 24. Behold, thou art called a Jew, and restest in the law, and makest thy boast of God, and knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge, and of the truth in the law. Thou, therefore, which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. The adage that says, do as I say and not as I do, should never proceed out of the lips of true born-again Christians. Jesus is alive and dwells within the body of Christ through the Holy Ghost, which is Jesus himself. The spirit that was poured out upon the 120 while in the upper chamber on the day of Pentecost is the self-same spirit that dwells within those who love him still. It is the self-same spirit that administers the gifts of God to govern his church, that it may present itself spotless and blameless when it stands before him in judgment. It is the self-same spirit whose fruits of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance that establish the foundation of godly living. Therefore, God does not want his shepherds nor his flock to be of a superficial nature, but to be down to earth, honest, full of integrity, sincere, prayerful, watchful, Holy Ghost filled, and inspired. In Paul's epistle to the Titus, he renders instructions on what pastors ought to be. We read in Titus 2, 7 through 8, and in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, 
showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. In God, there are no double standards. We encourage every believer to live a life that is holy and acceptable unto God. We are able to do it with confidence and conviction because we have done it ourselves quite successfully. What ought to be true of every believer in the body of Christ should be true of every pastor or minister. God has set high standards for those whom He has prepared and chosen to preach His Word. The magnitude of responsibility for a pastor is very demanding. However, the beauty here is that God also gives adequate strength in proportion or measure to the responsibilities given. We must remind ourselves that we cannot change the qualifications of the servants of God, let alone change the qualifications for salvation. Let us read in 1 Peter 4, 17-19, For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God Commit the keeping of their souls to Him, well-doing, as unto a faithful Creator. Good leadership is essential to pastoring, and one should lead by example. A good leader was once a good follower. As an apprentice of sword, he followed instructions and responded in a positive manner to correction. He was not stubborn, obstinate, but in fact was humble, conscientious, and eager to learn. His goal was not to flaunt success, or to exercise and develop his talent. He often recalled the scripture found in Proverbs 15:33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Therefore, he identified himself with the goals and objectives and was willing to sacrifice a part of himself to obtain those goals. Then when it was time to receive the scepter, this person was well-versed and molded to accept the responsibility of caring for his flock. God has charged each of His pastors with caring for, leading, guiding, instructing, and directing the flock. Therefore, their conduct in that honorable office must be guarded in spiritual maturity, in personality, appearance, tactfulness, self-control, courage, authority, planning, self-motivation, and a confident attitude that nothing is impossible with God. Yes, we who are anointed of God have been given the grace to feed His sheep and to feed His lambs. The pure word of God through the power of the Holy Ghost. Reading 1 Peter 5, 2, 4, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being the examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Therefore, we must be an example to the, in the eyes of those whom we lead in prayer, sacrifice, perseverance, fasting, and long-suffering as we wait for the coming of the Lord. The psalmist writes in Psalm 118, 24, This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I ask you, our viewers, are you on the victory side of things? Don't you think that there is enough turmoil and sorrow in the world? Should the Christians in this world be adding to that situation? When tasks appear to be hard and overwhelming, is the joy of the Lord your strength? When tests and trials come your way, will you remember the comfort found in 1 Corinthians 10, 13? There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, 
but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. The victory and the promises of God are nigh at hand. I always encourage my congregation to rise above all the things that depress them and get excited about the heavenly things. Jesus is alive and he is coming again. What greater incentive can there be which keeps the people of God on that straight and narrow path leading to the kingdom of God? Yes, it is no secret what God can do. What he can do for me, he can do for you as well. Some of have told me that they suffer from stress and become depressed and distraught. As a result of it, in my vocabulary, there is no such word as stress. The world is carefully watching how believers handle themselves in similar situations that they of the world are experiencing. Our successes through Christ will open the eyes of the unsaved and may very well bring them to salvation. How can the light of Jesus shine in this dark world of unbelief? If believers have no stamina for their faith, Letting others see Jesus in us during every facet of our lives is the greatest testimony we can ever be. Turn to Galatians 2.20, we read, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. There is no substitute for righteousness outside the name of Jesus. Paul was able to willingly give up his former life for a new life in Jesus. Grace performed its work, and though traditions played an important part in his life, Paul now saw the importance of faith. Thus, he saw Jesus through the eyes of that faith. When Jesus went to the cross, he paid the price for sin. As a result, we have access to eternal life through faith in him. When we crucify ourselves with Christ, we bring an end to the former life including the affections and lusts of the world. And we are willing to live with Jesus at the helm of our hearts. It is unfortunate that many wish to have a relationship with Jesus. However, they desire it on their own terms. Remember, to deviate from the gospel is to embrace another. Paul warned the church at Galatia about this, and the warning still stands today for the born-again Christian. Jesus' life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension into heaven, and his soon returning clouds of glory altogether will bring us to eternal life. We read from Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. I, therefore, the prison of the Lord, beseech you that he walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. An important fact about the faith is, true faith is, the old nature is not hidden nor is it a result of a makeover, like one was a product of a beauty salon. The new man is Jesus, formed in the believer. As we repent, Jesus forgives and removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. And with a new and improved view of Jesus, a believer cultivates good attitudes, and his or her own desire is what is best for the church. If you'd like to know more about God's Word, the church, and review these telecast presentations in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. Until our next telecast, this is your host, Head Pastor Blehan Jr., expressing my sincerest appreciation to each of you who have allowed us to come to your homes. May the good Lord bless and keep you all in the hollow of His hands. Closing our program are the spirited members of the church band, and they have chosen to play the number entitled, Tell It to Jesus. <laughs>
The preceding program was paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church.